0: Today, our text is Acts chapter 19, verses 20 and 21. We're going to add verse 20 to that reading. So it's verses 20 through 22 that will be our reading and our text as well. Acts 19, verses 20 through 22. Let's read it together and let's read it aloud. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a time. Shall we pray? Father, help us in understanding your word today, by the outpouring of your Spirit, and by the strength, Lord God, of your word. We pray that you will help us to grow in wisdom and understanding. Help us to see, Lord God, that these two verses that we're going to look at today have a tremendous weight of meaning to our own lives as it pertains to your will for us and the purposes and the plans that you have for us. And while we ourselves make plans and Consider purposes in our lives. May they always come under the subjection of your plan. Teach us this today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Y'all may be seated. I I read a story this week of a newly promoted colonel who had moved into a makeshift office during the Gulf War. Now, I know it's early to your bodies, so pay attention. <laughs> it's a story about a newly promoted colonel who had moved into a makeshift office during the Gulf War. He was, he was just getting unpacked when, out of the corner of his eye, he noticed a private with a toolbox coming his way. And wanting to seem important... The colonel grabbed the phone that was on his desk and he said, Yes, General Schwarzkopf, of course, I think it's an excellent plan. And then he continued, You've got my support on it. Thanks for checking with me. Let's touch base again soon, Norm. Goodbye. And as the private stands at the door of the colonel's office, the colonel then, you know, he hangs up the phone and he asks this private, Private, what can I do for you? And squeamishly, the private answers, "Uh, well, sir, I'm just here to hook up your phone. Now, while that story would be a great story to teach about a little bit of hypocrisy here. The story does teach us a valuable lesson about seeking to understand the will of God. Because it's sad to say that sometimes some Christians just pretend to hear from God, to have people think that there's something special. Though they're just afraid to admit that they hadn't really heard anything at all. And what we all need to confess is that understanding the will of God for our lives isn't always an exact science. As we shall see in the life of the Apostle Paul. But one thing is for sure. Paul didn't have to pretend he was important. Paul didn't have to pretend he was important. Why? Because he always gave the glory and the honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. So much had happened in Ephesus. Through the ministry of the Apostle Paul during his time here. My goodness, I guess he could have been like that colonel. So much had happened in his life. The city itself there in Ephesus had become an outreach center for all of Asia. Amazing miracles were being done by God through the hands of Paul. The sick were being healed, the demonically oppressed and the possessed were being set free from their captivity. Magicians were voluntarily burning their magic books and turning to Christ. Best of all, many along with those mentioned were coming to the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus and so beginning with verse 20, and it seems an awkward place to start, but I wanted to use that as a transitional verse from the last time we were in the book of Acts and, and, and get back to the sense of all that was taking place. Because here in verse 20, it doesn't tell us that Paul's preaching grew mightily. You don't see that there, do you? It doesn't say Paul's preaching grew mightily. It doesn't say that the miracles increased all the more. What does it say? The word of the Lord. Verse 20, look at it. The word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Now there are a few other things that we need to consider today. Things of great importance to consider in our study today. First of all, Paul will write three major letters all within a few months of this current time period. You might consider reading them along with your Acts reading. I think it's a great thing to read what Paul's writing while we're seeing him. In Acts, and especially in Ephesus. Where we are today, Paul had just written 1 Corinthians. The letter of 1 Corinthians is rather significant in our study today. Within a few weeks, as we'll see in our next study, there will be a riot in Ephesus, which causes Paul to leave. And after arriving in Macedonia, as we'll see in Acts chapter 20, verse 1, he will then write 2 Corinthians from Philippi. He will then travel south to Achaia, as we'll see in verse 2 of Acts chapter 20, where he will write his letter to the Roman church from Corinth. In other words, the book of Romans. Three very significant works that Paul has written to these specific churches, but in effect to all the church and all believers of all time. So 1 Corinthians especially and Romans especially are very important in our study today. Because in them we see what Luke doesn't show us in his writing in in Acts. He gives us the facts of what's happening in Ephesus. But there are other things that are taking place. Now secondly, two and a half years have passed since Paul arrived in Ephesus while on his third missionary journey. And he may have begun to feel that his work there was about over. Now that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to think that your work is over or or coming close to being over in a place. And here's the reason why. First of all, he probably wasn't intent on settling down in any sort of resident ministry. But the Macedonian call was stirring in his heart again. You remember back in chapter 16 that he was wanting to go into Asia. The Lord was trying to send him to to Europe. He tried twice to go to Asia, but the Lord forbid him. And then he saw this vision of a man in Macedonia calling him to come there. So that was stirring in his heart and then there was something else going on in his heart because Rome seemed to beckon to him as, as he writes in Romans chapter 1 verses 9 through 14. Now there's a lot of uh, a foundation that we're trying to set in our study here today so bear with me and let's follow along as it says in Romans chapter 1 verses 9 through 14. Paul is writing and he says For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers making request if by some means now at last i may find a way or find a way in the will of god to come to you now mark that little phrase down in the will of god you see that's always paul's heart paul's making plans here as long as they fall within the will of god please keep that in mind And then in verse 11, he says, for I long to see you. That's his heart. I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you. You see, there's nothing wrong for us to make plans, is there? Paul made plans. I often planned to come to you. And then he says, parenthetically, but was hindered until now. That I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I'm a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to the unwise. Please keep a bookmark there, because we're going to come back here in just a moment, briefly. But you see the heart of Paul, right? You see what he's saying. He has plans to go to Rome, but that is as long as it falls within the will of God. And so there's nothing wrong with making plans. Have you ever written something down, though, in an, on an itinerary? Have you, have you ever written something down, yet that's, that item seems to get overruled for some reason? Have you, has that ever happened to you? You write some things down and you never quite get to them, or other things get in the way, there's only three people that's had that happen? Okay, all right. That's why I keep my hand up, man, because I, it's, it's happened to me. I got, I got, I've got those, you know, daytimer things, and I've written a bunch of stuff down. By the way, I just want you to know I have accomplished a lot of what I've written down. But there are some things that just haven't gotten there yet. And I wonder why sometimes, but, you know, I I have to ask the Lord, well, Lord, uh, have you hindered me for whatever reason? So I don't want you to think I've written a whole bunch down and never done anything. I have done things. Praise the Lord. But, if, but if, you, if you've written something down, and yet that seems to be overruled, why is that? Well, think about this. I'm sure that time and time and time again, Paul had written down Rome on his travel itinerary. Rome, on my travel plans. Rome, that's where I want to go. And time and time and time again, the Spirit had overruled. But what's important to note is that Paul never sees praying That God would prosper his plans to preach the gospel in the great city of Rome so that he might help in some way or bless the church in some way there in Rome. That was his desire. Now understand here, Paul didn't want to go to Rome for the sights. He didn't want to go as a tourist. He didn't consider himself a tourist. He considered himself a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he didn't only consider himself, that's what he knew he was. So he didn't want to go there for the sights, he didn't want to go there for the food, and especially he didn't want to go there for the baths. Because I want you to look at the next verse. Verse 15 and verse 16. He says, so as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And it wasn't that Paul planned to stay there because he would then be violating one of his basic missionary principles in a place where there was already a thriving church. The principle itself is found later on in, that, in, in, in the book of Romans, Romans 15. Go over to Romans 15 for just a moment. And by the way, keep your, your bookmark now in Romans 15 for a moment. But in Romans 15, verses 20 and 21, Paul says, And so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he, has, he was not announced, they shall see. And those who have not heard shall understand. So from the word of God, he realizes, I'm not here to, in Rome to start my own church. The church is already here. In fact, Rome, for Paul, was a stepping stone. It was a stepping stone to other mission fields. This is, this is the kind of vision that Paul had. Yes, he made plans. Yes, he had certain purposes for his own ministry. But that had to always come under God's will. You see, if you look down at verse 24 in the same chapter, Romans 15, he says, Whenever I journey to Spain. So what is, what's in his travel plans? Well, I don't want to go to Rome, but I want it to be, that as I'm going to Rome, I'm going to make it up there to Spain. Whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. For I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you, if first I may enjoy your company for a while. You know, it's like we make those kind of plans too. If we're going to be traveling across this nation, maybe by car and all, we're going to stop in some places where we have friends. We call them up, uh, you know, months ahead of time and say, you know, we might be coming your way. And if we're coming your way, we'd like to maybe stop and visit with you and, and, you know, help us save money by, you know, taking us in and, putting us in the basement, whatever it is, you know, But you know, you'll help us out. You know, it's probably better than that. But the fact is, we're going to go this far, but we're going to stop to see you. Some of us have done that, and it's always a blessing. But the fact of the matter is, what's Paul's intent? Paul may have also been looking further. You see, his vision was opening up. Why? Because the Roman Empire was spreading. And as long as he had the opportunity to use the, 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 the safety of the Roman Empire to, to travel through the empire, he had one thought in mind, to preach the gospel. And he was looking further northwest to the extreme boundaries of the Roman Empire, from the untamed Germanic tribes, and even the Gallic tribes, to the Isle of Britannia, or the Isles of Britannia, where Rome was already establishing itself. And as to the point made earlier of Paul moving on from Ephesus, we're getting to our verse now, verse 21 of our text, which is going to make it very clear of Paul moving on from Ephesus, not staying there any longer. Look at verse 21 again. When these things were accomplished, and what things were those? Well, verse 20 says that uh, the word of God grew mightily, or the word of the Lord grew mightily, and and and, uh, prospered and prevailed. When these things were accomplished, it says. Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. So he's, he's making some travel plans here. Paul purposed in his spirit. Now, in the King James Bible, in the King James Version of the Bible, the first phrase is, after these things were ended. I think it's very clear when you read that. After these things were ended. Now, it's also very clear when it says when these things were accomplished. Because the Greek word for ended or were accomplished literally means to make full, to fill up, or to complete. And so there is that sense of completion and that sense of fulfillment in the ministry of Paul at Ephesus. And that's something that we need to take to heart about the ministry God has given us. Whatever that ministry may be, individually. Because you see, Paul, when he writes to his son in the faith, Timothy, in his second letter, he tells Timothy, fulfill your ministry. Fulfill the ministry. If God has put you in a ministry, fulfill it. Complete it. Take it to its accomplishment, you see. I, I sometimes get a little bothered when, I, you know, when somebody says, you know, God put me in this ministry, and then a week later they're gone. God's put me to do this, but in a, in a, in a couple of days they're, they're doing something else. And I wonder, did you, did you fulfill the ministry? Did you complete it? Or did you leave it hanging? God says, fulfill the ministry that I give you. So as a a church planner, and for the very first time, Paul was able to spend enough time in a city to watch a church come to maturity. That's what was happening in Ephesus. And so the time was coming for him to move on. Why? Because his heart was to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now we come to the second phrase there of, of importance. Paul purposed in the Spirit. Now in the New King James Version, we notice that the word Spirit there is capitalized. So it's trying to give us a little indication that it believes that Paul was purposing in the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit was guiding him to make these particular plans. That may be the case, but if you read it in the, New, in the King James Version and actually some other modern translations, you'll notice that the word Spirit is not capitalized. And it's not that it's not capitalized because they're trying to say that Paul wasn't seeking the Spirit about this. So there are differing views as to whether Paul was purposing by direction of the Holy Spirit, or he was simply deciding in his own spirit to make plans that he would like to follow. That's not the major question here. Because knowing Paul... And I hope that we, in our study of the book of Acts and, and the readings that we had in all of the books that we've, we've touched upon that Paul has written, knowing Paul, we would have to believe that these plans and these purposes and decisions and resolutions which he was making certainly went through the filtering processes of prayer. We know they did. Why? Because Paul was a man of prayer. Now, I use these words plans, purposes, decisions and resolutions because many translations uh, of this very verse where it says Paul purposed in the spirit, Paul planned in the spirit, Paul decided in the spirit, Paul resolved in the spirit. Paul was making some decisions, whether it was in the Holy Spirit or whether it was just that it was was purposing in his own heart to do these things. Nonetheless, Paul would always take these things through that filtering process. Of prayer. And the apostle was certainly not one wanting to make decisions for his own sake outside of the will of God. I think we can be certain of that. And if that's the case with Paul, that ought to be the way it is with us. That if we make plans, you know, we can't be, the, you know, James mentions in his letter. That, uh, you know, we, we, we shouldn't say, well, I'm going to go here for a month, here there for a month, or here for a certain time, or there for a certain amount of time. But we're going to say as the Lord wills. It's bringing it under the subjection of God's will. It's okay to make plans. Of course, we want those plans to be good plans. We want those plans to be right plans and holy plans. Because that's the way we're to live our lives. We shouldn't be making bad plans. We shouldn't be making evil plans. Okay? Got Got the difference? But whatever those plans may be, let's bring it unto God's will. Let's bring it under His leadership, His authority, His guidance, His direction. And so there were other concerns that Paul had which we're not told about here and this is very important as well there's some concerns that we're not told about by Luke and it's not Luke's fault I mean Luke is led by the Holy Spirit to write the book of Acts for us Luke gives us everything God wants us to have but Paul also has something to say in his letters that he's writing so have we considered why Paul wanted to go to Rome by way of Jerusalem that's what we just read Paul purpose in his spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying after that, I want to go to Rome. That's going the roundabout way and actually going in the opposite direction to get to, to, get to Rome. Let's go east to get to Jerusalem, to go west to get to Rome. That's a long way to travel. I don't think, I don't think any travel agency is going to give us that kind of a route. So there has to be some purpose in it. I mean, don't you think that route that Rome mentioned was a little out of the way? Well, Luke doesn't mention it here, but we know that one reason why Paul wanted to go through Macedonia and Achaia and then to Jerusalem was to collect and to deliver a fund that he had been collecting from other churches to help out the poor in the church in Jerusalem, which had apparently been hit hard with a famine. Now, we know that because of what Paul writes Turn to Romans 15. Are you still in Romans 15, by the way? I haven't told you to leave there yet. Still got your fingers there, your bookmarks. Romans 15 verses 25 now. We just read 24, but look at 25 to 28. But now I'm going to Jerusalem. He's made plans and he's got a purpose. But now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of the spiritual things, their duty is also to minister, them, uh, minister to them in material things. Therefore, when I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by way of you. In other words, I'll stop in Rome as I'm going to Spain, Lord willing. Now turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We get a little bit more of that picture of what he's saying to the Roman church. In 1 Corinthians 16 verses 1 through 7. Now, this is where you're going to leave your bookmark for a little bit. 1 Corinthians 16. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must also do. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside. Storing up as me may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. In other words, I'm not coming so that the collection is for me. But I am coming so that when I do come, the collection is already put, uh, put together. And, uh, you know, and uh, we can take it. We've got a purpose with it and a plan. So that's the reason why that says it in that particular manner. When he, and, and when I come, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. So if there are certain people you want to send with that gift, uh, representing your, your particular city, that's fine. But if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. Now, you, a lot of times we don't... Look, stop right there and look at that verse. But if it is fitting that I go also. Isn't that interesting? Paul has been planning and purposing, but is it fitting? Is it fitting in God's plan? You see, we, we don't have to worry about how, how Paul is dealing with where he's going to go because he always will bring everything under the subjection of, Christ, of God's plan. And he says, if it's fitting for me, then they'll go with me. Now, I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia. And it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you. Now, here are some unsure plans. So these are maybes, ifs, you know. And it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you. The only reason why a person would spend a winter anywhere is that traveling was terrible in the winter. So you'd have to wait till the the weather was better to travel. And then it says that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. And notice, wherever I go, where does he want to go? Eventually to Spain. But he says, well, wherever I go, because we still have to see what God's will is. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. So, as in Acts chapter 16, with Paul's desire to preach in Asia, I mentioned this earlier, he wanted to preach in Asia, but yet he was forbidden twice before he received the Lord's vision of the Macedonian man. As it was then, Paul wasn't always perfect at hearing from God. But that's an encouragement because we're not always perfect at hearing from God. Paul wants to go to Asia. The Lord forbids him. Well, he takes a step back. Then he says, I'm going to try again. And the Lord says, no. Go this direction. But the way that he catch, captures him is he has to give him the vision of the man in Macedonia. So Paul wasn't always perfect at hearing from God. That's a good thing. Why? Because it encourages us. We're not always perfect at hearing from God either. But let's keep listening. Let's keep waiting. Let's keep waiting on the Lord. One thing we can say about Paul is that he had great desires for God. That's a good thing. Whether they all get accomplished in our lives or not, yet we are to have great desires for God. And we should have great desires for God. And by the way, for Paul, Rome was a great desire in his life. Let's go back for just a moment. Keep your finger in 1 Corinthians. But go back to Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1 verse 11, just so you can see the heart of Paul toward the the church in Rome, he says, I long to see you. In other words, it is a deep, deep desire in my heart to see you. I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts so that you may be established. Now I got to tell you this at this point, that Paul was going to go to Rome, but not in the way that he thought. He wasn't going to go so that he might, you know, have that stepping stone to Spain. But he was going to go to Rome. How? Let me give you a little hint. He's going as a prisoner. He's going as a prisoner of Rome. That's not the way he wanted to go. But he's going to Rome. But it's the desire of his heart. With With that kind of desire in our hearts, think about this. With that kind of desire in our hearts, the Lord has a great promise for us. Turn to Psalm 37. Psalm 37 verses 4 and 5. I remember years and years ago, I'd read this particular verse and I would hear some preacher say, you see, you can delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. And His focus on the the desires of our heart was, was actually whatever we wanted in this life. But the more you spend time looking at that first phrase, delight yourself also in the Lord, you realize that it isn't so much the desires of our heart as far as this life is concerned. It is our desires to desire the things that God desires. Now, it says, delight yourself also in the Lord and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way, verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord, which means roll upon the Lord. Put your full weight Of trust on the Lord, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring it to pass. You see, when you delight yourself in the Lord, you will find that the very things that God Himself desires, you will start to desire. When you delight yourself in the Lord, it is saying to the Lord, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. What is it that pleases you, Lord? What is it that will give honor and glory to you? I just want to delight in those things so that I may receive the desire of my heart to do those things that honor and bless you. So if you're looking for direction in your life, and who isn't (laughs) from day to day? But if you're looking for direction in your life, then set your heart to follow Jesus. Don't look at me like that. (laughs) Yeah. If you are looking for direction in your life, then set your heart to follow Jesus. Set your heart to love Him. To love Him more than anything in this life. And then just look at the kind of things that start to pop up in your heart. The kinds of things you just long for. Those things that will honor, bless, glorify, please the Lord. Delight yourself in that. Paul delighted in the things of God. Paul delighted. And boy, you know, Paul would be one to say, you know... He could probably say, you know, I've been through too much. I've just been through too much. They've beat me. They've stoned me. They've run me out of towns. I feel like a criminal with my picture in the post office. And I'm just tired of that. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to (laughs) retire. He says, none of these things move me. We'll see that in chapter 20. I, I can't even wait to get to that chapter, to get to that verse. None of these things move me. So what does Paul do? He makes plans. He makes plans. But then in verse 22, he says, So he it to Macedonia, two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus. But he himself stayed in Asia for a time. Now, to prepare the believers in Macedonia and Achaia for his coming, Paul sent two of his disciples ahead. One was his old friend and son in the faith, Timothy. The other man was a man named Erastus. Timothy was, the last, or Timothy was last seen with Paul in Corinth, if you remember back in Acts chapter 18, verse 5. It says when Silas and Timothy had come to Macedo- or came from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. is the last time we see Timothy. But by the way, I bring up this particular verse because there's something that is said about Paul. It says Paul was compelled by the Spirit. Now we know that that Spirit is the Holy Spirit. He's compelled by the Spirit of God to testify to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. Is there a difference? when it says that Paul purposed in his heart, or in his spirit. Now it became, maybe it's becoming a little bit more clear. That this may be that Paul was purposing in his own heart, yet it was do, he was doing so to seek the will of God. Because he wouldn't fulfill that if it wasn't God's plan. So, Erastus... Now, getting to the second person mentioned, may very well be the person who was named by Paul in his letter to the Romans as a one-time treasurer of the city of Corinth. Romans 16.23 says, Gaius, my host and the host of the whole church, greets you. And then he mentions this person, Erastus. He says, Erastus, the treasurer of the city, because he's in Corinth writing this letter to the Romans. He says, Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greets you and quartus a brother. But he mentions Erastus. And and while we can't be 100% sure that this is the, the same man, if it is, then he gave up a position of considerable power and of considerable prestige to become one of Paul's assistants and team members. He left a position of incredible power and prestige in the world to become a servant of an apostle of Jesus Christ. You know what I call that? A promotion. That was a promotion. We need to understand that when God calls us into the ministry, it involves sacrifice. It involves us giving up everything so that Christ will be our all in all. And God will protect us. God will provide for us. God will give us everything that we need. But understand this. When you serve the Lord Jesus Christ as a bondservant of Jesus Christ, you have been promoted. Because you serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This world is nothing in comparison. So Timothy and Erastus served as Paul's advance team to encourage the churches before Paul's arrival. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 4, 15-17, Paul writes this, For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, imitate me. For this reason I have sent Timothy to you who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. So we'll see that Timothy and Erastus here, it mentions Timothy, but Timothy and Erastus were actually servants in in a sense of the Lord through Paul and and Paul's apostleship and and doing these things uh, to encourage the churches and going in advance of Paul. So Paul had planned to stay in Ephesus. These were Paul's plans. And notice how things can change. Paul had planned to stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. This is what we'll read in 1 Corinthians 16. Remember I told you, keep your your bookmark there. We're getting back to it. Paul had planned to stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. But the Lord had different plans and purposes. Let's look at it. Verse 8. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 8. So he tells them, I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. So he's saying, in effect, I'm going to stay in Pentecost. Uh, I mean, in Ephesus until until about May, because that's when Pentecost is. So I'll stay in Ephesus t- until then. Because, and here's the reason why he wants to stay there: for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Who wants to stay where there are adversaries? Paul does. Why? Because he knows that the Lord is in control of all things, and he receives his orders from the Lord, not from his own making. So a couple of things have happened. What's happening in Ephesus up to this point? Well, he is seeing people come to Christ. He's seeing the magicians throwing their magic books in the fire. He's seeing people healed. He's seeing people delivered. And God is doing all of these things. And this great door is open. But he says, I gotta stay here for a while, but God has different plans. Now, if Timothy comes, he says, See that he may be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord, as I also do. Verse 11, Therefore let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace, that he may come to me, for I am waiting for him with the brethren. So, see how open we need to be to God's plans and purposes. Paul wants to stay for a certain time. God says, Nope, you got to move on. Why? Because even though trouble was brewing, the Lord had opened a great and effectual door for the gospel of Jesus Christ in Ephesus. But at the same time, Paul would not stay in Ephesus as long as he would have liked. I mean, isn't this enough to show us the importance of seeking God's will and plans and purposes in our lives? What I am not mentioning to you is what I need to mention to you now. In the next part of chapter 19, which we're going to look at next time, a riot erupts in Ephesus over the gospel. And Paul leaves way before he wanted to. God's plans may sometimes be different than ours. Will we be open to that? Well, we better be. You see, because it's always better to follow God's plans than our own. It's always better to follow God's plans than our own. So isn't this enough to show us that importance of seeking God's wills and plans? And purposes. Not just plans, but purposes in our lives. That's really the exposition of these two verses before we go into the next portion of chapter 19. So, why have we taken this route to look at these verses? Well, because we need to understand that when we deal with purposes and plans, which is what the title of this message is. We can make plans and we can develop purposes in our lives, but it still comes down to God's plans and purposes being more important to follow. Let me give you these three scriptures here. They're all in Proverbs. Proverbs 16, verse 1 says The preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The preparations of the heart belong to man. We make preparations, don't we? We prepare to go here and there. We prepare to, you know, to 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 go in this direction or that direction. But still, nonetheless, the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Jump down to verse nine of the same uh, proverb, Proverbs sixteen, verse nine. A man's plans, or I should say, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So we may plan, just like Paul was planning, to go here, to go there, uh, to serve Him. Our heart may be planning that, but the Lord directs the steps. We need to subject ourselves to the leading and direction of the Lord, not just be so stuck on this thing that we're just going to go our way. Do our own thing. The third proverb to consider is proverbs 19 verse 21 there are many plans in a man's heart nevertheless the lord's counsel that will stand there are many plans in a man's hearts each and every one of us in here whether we're thinking about it or not we've made a lot of plans for our lives or maybe we've made certain plans just for this week or maybe we just have a couple of plans for today whatever it is We've made plans in our hearts, and yet the Lord's counsel, that will stand above and over and beyond what we've made. So let me say to you, before we come to the table of communion, because this is the purpose and plan of God. That from Genesis to Revelation. Through the whole of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, the Lord has revealed His purposes and His plans for us. You go all the way back to the book of Genesis. God had purposes and plans for us even then. Even before the creation of the world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But out of that, He had purposes and plans. And he went through this whole creation, but on a certain day, he created man. And out of the sight of man, he would take woman. And the scripture says he made man in his image. And then he says male and female, he made them. Did you know that that's a plan and a purpose of God? Male and female created he them. May I tell you, it does not say male and male. And it does not say female and female. Why? Because that's God's purpose and plan. Please understand, I'm not saying that to be funny or, you know, I'm just saying that because that's the truth. These are God's purposes and plans. That's why the man, that's why in marriage, the two become one. That's the only way it can happen. Anything outside of that is, is aberrant and an abomination. God has purposes and plans. God has purposes and plans for us throughout all of life. And who messed that up? You see, there was a serpent in the garden, chapter 3 of Genesis. And the serpent deceived Eve. Has God really said this? Has God really planned this? Has God really purposed this? And man, when they were commanded to... In the commandment was said, you can enjoy any of any tree, you can eat of any fruit in all of this garden, except for the the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day you eat of this, you'll die. But man ate of that tree. Deceived, but ate of the tree. And folks, what did God do? First of all, God knew it was going to happen. But what did God do? purposes and plans God is going through the garden in the cool of the day and he calls out for Adam and what does Adam say? Lord we're over here hiding why are you hiding Adam? well (laughs) we're naked well who told you you were? and then they were covering themselves with fig leaves and he says you ate of that tree didn't you? what did God have to do? He had to take a lamb because it says that he covered them with sheepskins. But what does that tell us? He had to take a lamb and kill the lamb, shed its blood, take its coat and clothe them. He says this is much better than fig leaves. But it's more than what was against their body. It was what he was saying about their hearts, the purposes and the plans of God. To rescue those who have died, something must die. God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Purposes and plans of God. We can't escape them. The world will not escape them. Man will have to face the purposes and plans of God at judgment day. Today we have an opportunity to take the bread and the cup that you're going to be passed today to consider the purposes and plans of God as we consider the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. What's His plan for you? What's His purpose for you? let's pray